One of you out. Glad you're able to be out and to join us. Working on the worksheet that worksheet that says harmony. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. So, if anybody needs a copy of that, you've got one. You even brought it with you. Thought I saw a hand go up, or did it go up? Or you just. <laughs> Anyone else need a copy? Super. Oh. Uh, Daryl needs more than I can give him. I had one that didn't belong Well, uh, this last week. Again, it's good to see each one out for. I have a few announcements to make, and then we'll get into the lesson. B.W. Tubbs, a cousin of Corrine Key, had passed away from lung cancer and heart failure. His burial was at the Little Bethel Cemetery in Duncanville, so I need to keep Corrine and the family in our prayers and the loss of our cousin. Angela Colette is beginning radiation treatments soon, so keep her in your prayers. John Crawford is recovering from back surgery. And Mary Crawford has pulled some muscles in her abdomen and her stomach, so I need to keep her in your prayers. Uh, well, I guess I have to read what's here. It says, David McElwain is recovering from a procedure to repair a slight tear in the retina in his right eye. Uh, it's already taken place. And you see me swinging. There's a floater in the right eye. And it's a biggie. It covers almost the whole eye. And it's like a spider web. I said, I got it on, got it yesterday, <laughs> Halloween. Uh, and it just kind of floats around and it changes shapes and forms and all that good stuff. Uh, most of the time it doesn't bother me, but every time I'm trying to read, that's when it kind of dives down there and wants to get in the way, but uh, the procedure went fine. I'm doing okay. Went in Monday to have it done. Uh, my doctor said, but this started Sunday, and he asked about, am you know, I getting in so soon? I said, I said, I've done it twice with her, my wife, Pat, <laughs> two retina tears. I said, I knew some of the, the signs. So when I saw it taking place, I said, it's time to get in. So took care of that. David Moore, the son of Bobby and Charlotte Moore, is home for a few weeks before his next round of treatments. Francis Springer is recovering from cancer surgery and doing well. Kelly Vinson is in her second week of daily radiation treatments. And of course, there's many others that we have uh, that are on our, need to be on our prayer list. We refer to the bulletin 
and remember them in your prayers. The regularly scheduled events that are coming up is tomorrow at 8 o'clock at Broad Street for Mission Printing. Uh, and then to remind you that this Sunday, uh, immediately following the morning worship service, we will be meeting at Broad Street uh, for our anniversary fellowship meal. And each family is asked to bring two dishes to share. And of course, all of our visitors will be uh, welcome to participate with us as well. But do remember that this coming Sunday after the morning worship, to meet over at Broad Street for our fellowship meal and anniversary fellowship at that particular time. Again, it's good to see each one out. I'm glad that you're able to join us. Um, I'm going to ask Ted Ford, if he would, to direct our minds in a word of prayer. Amen. We were looking last week at the, the thought of our needing to have a being of the same mind, working together. Uh, we're looking at the state of the heart, out of Proverbs, that out of it flows the issues of life. And uh, we need to be careful of uh, what we put in our heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's an indication of who we are, and uh, we're looking at that list that was uh, under the state of the heart, uh, some qualities, characteristics that need to be there, and we get to work with those. The first one's Matthew 5, 8, and that's what? Blessed is the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Okay, the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, some of the ramifications of that. The pure in heart is going to see God. What's, what goes along with that? <laughs> well, okay, who doesn't want to see God was a comment. Well, that's the other part of it. A lot of people want to see God. But one of the characteristics involved in seeing God is having the pure heart. What does it mean to have the pure heart? Being clean. How do we go about doing that? Okay, the way we think that leads to the way we speak is out of the, the abundance of the heart. What regulates that? The mind, okay. Getting down to the mind. Uh, it's a choice. It's a decision that we make. Uh, I know we've mentioned many times before that it is utterly impossible 
to think about everything that is available to be thought of at any given time. So you have to make a choice of what you're going to do and what you're going to fill the heart with. And the the challenge is there to, to keep it pure. And again, if we desire to see God, that's what we want to do. Uh, do we get to regulate the degree of purity? Okay. Got the puzzled looks and the, the, the no. God is the one that sets that. It's going to be through his word. What's our, what's our task? Do his will, follow his word. What else? Okay, being righteous to everything that his will requires, striving for that purity. What happens when it's not there? Oh, to repent, okay. And then what? Change. Change. That's involved as well. One-time effort. Okay, daily effort. Kind of like what we're looking at in uh, the fishers of men. Uh, How often should you deny yourself and take up the cross and follow him? Daily. So that one's being drilled in, isn't it? It's a daily task of working that, uh, that along the way. What about Matthew 11, 29, 28 and through 30? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. Okay. My yoke is easy and my is light. Okay. Gentle and lowly. What are some of the other translations? What do you have there? Meek and lowly. Uh, humility would enter into it as well. The, the heart that is meek or the heart is gentle. What's involved in it being gentle or meek? Submission. Okay. Uh, how sometimes do we identify with the term meek, a person being meek? Ah, okay. So, <laughs> one hour ago, not weak, but a power under control. I think that was a key definition that uh, picked up down through the years, whatever it was. The, the thought of a big stallion and, you know, how gentle they can they can be, and sometimes not so, but uh, the power under control. And who's the meekest man on earth? Christ. Jesus was. I'm saying that because do you see the, the, the power under control? You look at some of the things that he encountered uh, constantly throughout his life, and 
that, that willingness to exercise the power or to keep it under control. You see it d- demonstrated, if you will, in uh, his temptation with Satan in the wilderness. You know, that, that the human desire, but learning to control that and to submit to the Father. You see it in the Garden of Gethsemane. They, again, the power that under control. Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but your will be done. The willingness to understand as well that uh, when he's talking to his disciples about his betrayal or his crucifixion coming up, and he talked about uh, it had to be, but he had also been given what that he could have called upon. He could call those legions of angels. Uh, you know, again, you just look at what one angel could do, let alone the 72,000. Uh, but he didn't need those either. Uh, the power and the control. Easy? Why not? Okay. Human beings don't exercise power and the control. Seldom. The ones that have power don't exercise control. Looking at this because, again, we're looking at this quality that God is looking for in his servants. And it's a challenge because, again, these qualities as we're looking at them are those that really come from God. There are qualities that God gives that we gain through his word. And then it's learning to, to exercise those along the way. We're entering, entering into a interesting time in our uh, society, if you will. One is down through the years, we've seen a tremendous increase in road rage. Uh, with the resulting of loss of life as a result of that. But it's interesting, I said, and, and the concept is <clears throat> what technology is coming up that will help kind of deal with that somewhat? Automatic cars. Automatic cars is kind of what it is, you know. Uh, you know, it, it's driving around, for those who have the newer cars, you can set your cruise control at whatever speed you set it for. And if you're getting approaching another car in front of you too quickly, what happens? It automatically backs it back down. Let you know when there's somebody close to you. I mean, a whole host of things along the way. If you step out there in front, and I don't, I'm not the one who wants to try that. Uh, yeah, I, I see them advertise it, but I'm not the one who wants to step out in front of a vehicle and see if it will stop in time. Uh, but I'm saying a host of things... And you know, again, you think about why is a lot of that being taken care of or being designed that way? Because of the loose nut behind the wheel. Uh, the individual you know, trying to learn this concept of being gentle or being meek. Uh, you know, the, the willingness to have humility or think lowly. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that. We, 
wanted in our lives, uh, it's sometimes hard for us to exercise that, is that, <clears throat> because we all have that concept, this is my right. You know, you're invading my space. And uh, I want to let you know that you invaded my space. And, pardon? Well, that's the other Okay, can you trust us to always work? <laughs> yeah, I know on that part, I know what you're talking about. Can you go to trust it? Because they've already got all kinds of you know, problems along the line in the automation field. Yeah, there's a host of things. But I'm saying it's just a thought, though. Meekness, gentleness, learning to control. And that's the key, is it? Learn, learning to control. How do you learn to control it? By doing it. How are you going to do it? By thinking about it. Oh, by thinking about it. You've got to do more than think about it. You've got to practice it. How are you going to practice it? Oh, and... and what the, To a degree, yes. I'm an individual. And we hear a lot of that today. I have the right to do what I want to do. And it, we live in this society, no matter what I say, somebody takes it in a way that was offensive to them without ever realizing thought process or a host of things involved in that. We like the thought of however we want to define power. No, no, in that sense, no, but in the sense that she was willing to keep things under control, either her words or her actions, to keep them, I don't know, you know, we all get to work with that. Some of us seem to do a lot better than others at times. We live in a different society. Uh, I'm saying that you, you walk around, uh, you drive around, whatever else, you, you see a lot of demonstration of, this, of individuals exercise and wanting to exercise their power or their individuality to say and to do what they want. And it's just the thought that in light of Jesus, uh, keeping the, the surrendering to the will of the Father, I think that would, would be a good description of your grandmother. I want to do his will. And I want to live a life in such a way that would be pleasing to him. And so you, you respond to that. That's a guiding principle that you have. I want, to, I want to please him. And so it may not have ever crossed your mind. It does on some others that there's some things, no, I don't need to do that. I don't need to say that. It's not going to do any good. Uh, and again, I, I'm just making a speculation since I don't know her. But I'm saying that's part of life is learning 
when people say something, sometimes there is a response that we would like to give that would add fuel to the fire. And the question is, do we need to? And this need to control. Do I need to say everything that I think ought to be said? I need to control. And that's wisdom. And, and that goes back to what I'm talking about, the wisdom or the meekness. Where do, how do you get that? How are you going to get the wisdom to know when to speak and when not to speak? Pardon? You pray for wisdom. Okay, how else? You're going to be given opportunities to exercise that, to learn that. You ever make the wrong choice and say, ooh, don't need to do that? It's called experience, yeah, that's what it's called. It's being guided by God's word, but it's called experience along the way. So wanting to learn how to do that. That comes from God, praying for wisdom to make right decisions. And uh, sometimes we get those by making the wrong decisions and saying that's not the way to go. And it's, it's, again, trying to get us to have a heart that's like God's and wanting to do His will, the surrendering to Him. Again, does He know who we are? Does He know what we're going through? Does He know what we're going to encounter? And we're seeking His guidance that says, you know, help me when something comes up. Well, it's going to come up, but help me when something comes up to respond in a proper way. Uh, and uh, does it always happen that way? Oftentimes we let the moment get the best of us and say or do something that later on we regret. But you also know exactly how we're going to handle it. <laughs> well, going to, but that doesn't relieve us of the responsibility of what we do or what we say. So there's a challenge in there. Uh, works a little bit out of Acts 2.37 as well. And also somebody flip over to Acts 7 and verse 54. That's the one I'm looking for. <laughs> No, no. What they, what they needed to do. That's, that's the other part of it. But one is, they had to, first of all, you've got to be cut to the heart. That's the meekness, or that's another aspect of it. Uh, being pricked or cut to the heart. It's, it's hitting my emotions. And then the latter part of it. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What are we going to do? And once we understand what we did was wrong. Yeah. And, but see, that's in opposition to what we have over in Acts 7, 50, uh, 54. Okay, they were pricked in the heart as well. But then they gnashed their teeth on Stephen. Uh, they didn't do the latter part of Acts 2.37. Men and brethren, what shall we do? They let whatever happened get to them. And when he had convinced them, uh, as you read that account in Acts 7, uh, Stephen didn't, did not pull any punches in what he had to say or how he describes them at the end. You're a stiff neck and a rebellious people. 
Uh, you're just like your forefathers before you. It's being let in the heart, or having the heart tender enough towards God, the mind, that it can be pricked. And that comes from filling your mind with what? Well, godly sorrow, that's involved in it. But filling your mind with God's Word, that leads to godly sorrow along the way. If, if you have that in your mind, the, the pricking's going to be there. Uh, it may not, you know... Uh, <clears throat> Again, we live in a, a society that uh, loves to have everything instantly. Um, you know, we run around these things that you can, just, you can get on the internet, find anything you want in a short period of time. Uh, when our kids were in school, uh, the teacher would come in in the morning and turn on the computer, log on to the internet in the morning so she could get on to it by mid-afternoon. But it took that long to get on. <laughs> it wasn't quick. Uh, we like the instant stuff. And we sometimes apply that in our life. Do we all respond identically at the same rate to things that go on? No. It, it happens differently. And, but we all want what? Pardon? We want instant gratification or we want instant response or reaction back, whatever is involved. And it's hard, the instant part of, of and one of them will be out later down later on, is that patience, learning to be patient. And that's, that's hard for us to do. We have time frames that we work with. And we need to, again, see what's involved in, in having this heart that can be pricked. By God's word, and that's what you know, Peter was doing on the on the, the day of Pentecost. Uh, you know the things he had to say as they got down there. Uh, a lot of it they would have agreed with. Here's what the prophets said, and so on and so forth, and bringing it on down. Here's what David did, and, and bringing it on down. But when it got down to the point that you, by the hands of godless men, have crucified the Son of God, and then. The, than their response. It's understanding, and again, on the day of Pentecost, who is he addressing? Jews. Jews. And again, and that's, again, these are things that need to come up periodically in our mind as we're thinking. He's addressing Jews. What type of Jews? Devout Jews. Devout Jews. Why? How would you know they were devout Jews? And for what else? Acts 2. The day of Pentecost. So they were, they were some devout Jews who had made it. And, you know, and where had they come from? All over. All, over. Uh, all those nations that were listed, they had come to Jerusalem to worship God on the Pentecost. Uh, and some were there for the Passover and may have stayed on for Pentecost. You know, they don't make those trips as uh, quickly as we make them today. But I'm saying these were devout Jews who would basically be wanting to do what? Worship God. Worship God. And who believed that they were what? Worshiping God. <laughs> they believed that's what they were doing. 
and that they were following his will. And then for this to unfold, to realize that they had done something else, uh, caused them to be pricked in the heart. It's the word that did the converting. Uh, that's all that Peter used was the word all the way down through. And then to sum it up at the end. Okay, yeah. What can we do to make it right? And that's the challenge, is to develop that mindset of wanting to do what, what can we do to make it right, and how do we move on and to deal with situations. That goes along with Ephesians 3.17. But Christ may dwell in the heart and be Christ-like. Again, we've given the Gospels that uh, show us the mind of Christ. And again, it's always hard to, as you read through and read the different situations that he encountered, of, of how he would deal with those and how he would handle those. Uh, and again, for us, we come up short. And ours is to continue to want to grow and to realize that, you know, for having what he's describing here, the state of the heart is, is a lifelong, lifelong process of growing and developing and then realizing we still stumble, we still fall, and that we have to get up and we have to work at it again and continue on doing his will. Pardon? Oh, okay. If Christ is dwelling in our heart, what room do we have for anything else? Ought to be none. Uh, but it's keeping reminding ourselves that's what we need. That's the that's the mindset. Have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. Uh, you know, again, it's it's it comes down to that thought there in, in uh, Philippians two five through eleven of that mindset that he did have and that, what he's asking of us. You know, not thinking equality was God to be a thing to be grasped, but was willing to empty himself. And that's the challenge that we've talked about, you know, emptying ourselves, wanting to have that mind of, uh, as his mind was. What, what, what was his mind as he came to this earth? Twofold. Do the Father's will, and to seek and to save the lost. Uh, that was his twofold attitude in coming here. Doing the will of the Father, even as it meant going to the cross. And then seeking and saving the lost, even though that meant going to the cross. And again, that constant reminder to us is that the cross was a means of what? Death, Death crucifixion. Uh, putting, putting one to, to death. I've talked earlier you know, out of Luke, you know, take up the cross daily. 
and follow him. Deny himself daily and taking up that cross. Again, the challenge there for us. Because every day we wake up, we look in the mirror, and who do we see? That old person. <laughs> Same old person there. We see that part, we see that we see us. And it's hard for us to look let that mirror look back farther inside and to see what's on the inside. And that's where our challenge is on the, that's why again Luke on that daily basis. Denying self. You know, uh, crucifixion. And it's hard. Because we have our likes, our preferences, and uh desires of, of what we think is right and, and sometimes standing on that and, and forgetting some of these things we're looking at here of being meek and lowly and pure and wanting that which was best. Also then Ephesians 4.32 And be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving each other even as God in Christ forgave you. Being kind to one another tender Again, a quality that is easy for us to achieve. When we get to work yet, being kind to one another. And how, we, how are we to forgive? As God, forgave. As God through Christ had forgiven. Uh, but how did he forgive? Totally. Totally. <laughs> totally. He totally forgave. So that, that challenge again of wanting that tenderness, a heart that is tender. Right. Love has a very solid foundation in that Christian life. Again, that goes back to that mind that he had, that Christ had. The willingness, because of love, to come. The understanding that there is salvation, where? Nowhere else but in, in Christ. That's the only place salvation can be found. And then whatever it takes for one to get one to that point. And, uh, and again, the thought that all of this takes a constant awareness, our thinking about who he is, what he's done, and his characteristics, and then examining our lives, uh, striving to make the, the changes that need to be made along the way as well. Uh, being tenderhearted is not always easy to do. Uh, you know, we get defensive uh, or we can uh, uh, get hard-hearted and, and it's hard to, to maintain or to keep that tender-heartedness in our lives. Again, the goal or the, the, the challenge is because that's what Christ did. As God has forgiven you through Christ, and again, how has he forgiven? Totally, we've talked about Completely. And once he forgives, 
He remembers no more. Get to work with forget and, and remember no more. Uh, but he doesn't remember that any longer. It's not brought up again. And there's, that's the challenge for us, is that uh, we, we are not careful. If we're not careful, we can keep the tally sheet. And uh, we need to be willing to have this type of heart that is willing to, to move on and to do God's will. Hebrews 10, 22. Okay. I have a true heart, an honest heart, uh, based on what? Based on what? Having this true heart. knowledge we have of him, the realization of what he's done for us, how we got to where we are, been washed in the pure waters, uh, understanding all that's involved in that. So that's involved in our desire to have this true heart, to remove the, the falsehoods out of it. And again, that's, that's a daily process uh, of our working and, and striving to do his will. Uh, so that we can be the people he wants us to be. You know, who all gets to work with this? All of us? We all get to work with that. We all get to work with that. Uh, and as we all work at it at different rates, and different rates of growth and different levels of maturity, it's always easy to do that. Uh, never get impatient with somebody. Uh, it's a constant process. I'm just you know, trying to get us to see that as we're working through this, there's a unity God wants us to have. And if God wants us to have a unity, is it possible? He wouldn't ask it if it wasn't possible. What's, what is it based upon? The unity that God and Jesus have. Be one as they are one. It's again, yes, it's with God and reminding ourselves of that type of unity. Uh, so much so as, you know, again, in his, uh, Jesus' prayer in John 17. And the Father, that they may be one, as you and I are one. So that the world may believe that you, they are your, our disciples, but that they may be one as we are one. And again, that goes back to that mind of Christ, goes back to that submission, uh, the recognition again, the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, not my will, but your will to be done. All the way through his life. What did he say his, his food was? His meat is what kept him going to do the will of the Father and the works that the Father gave him to do. And that's what you know, he's talking about. Uh, understanding all the way through it, the, that denial of self. And again, that's the, the challenge we have. 
that we get to work with of working it, trying to deny ourselves, to take up that cross and to follow him, to have that true or that honest heart, seeking God's will in our life. And then 1 John 3, 19. Okay. That we can know there's assurance in there. What, what place does having assurance with God have in our lives? Okay. Uh, say, how well does that work? <laughs> Pardon? If we have assurance we're at peace? Pardon? Gives us confidence? Very good. It lets us know again, and all that he's saying is what is the main power that controls the life that we live? God, not self. It's God. It's reminding ourselves God controls the life. How much does God want to control the life? It's greater than our hearts. He wants us to be with him eternally. How is that achieved? By doing his, by our doing his will, by our surrendering to his will. How much is he willing to help us in doing that. He's given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. He desires us so much to be in heaven that he's provided the means of salvation. And then beyond that, everything that pertains to life and to godliness he's provided. He's given us his word to guide us. He's given us a family to encourage us. He wants us there. There's an assurance in that, in knowing that, again, we come up short. I think you've recognized that, have you not? In your life? You come up short. But the assurance is that he has not abandoned you or has not abandoned us. And we need that. Gives us that incentive, if you will, to get up and to go again. Uh, and again, to know that as we look through all of this and, and the challenge involved is again because, again, of all the different personalities and all the different characteristic makeups of trying and working towards uniting those, at least in one mind in Christ, 
so that we want his will to be done, want his body to be glorified, in order that we can be the people that he would want us to be. Unity is the blank underneath that. Is the state of possession what? It's the second blank. The same heart. Uh, it's our each striving to have the same heart. The heart of Christ. The trusting of his will being done. And again, if you will, as in his will being done of the care and the exactness he has given towards bringing that about. But in so many times or so many ways, sometimes it's beyond our time frame. You know, how long did it take him in human history to bring about the Messiah coming to the earth? Approximately from the Garden of Eden to the first century. That's from 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 the cross uh, from uh, the law of Moses. Take it from the Garden. Pardon? About four thousand years. I mean, that's you know, we don't have the dating machine to tell us exactly. But about four thousand years. That goes with Galatians 5, 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to be born of a woman, to be born under the law. In the fullness of time, God's time, he has that plan that we do not see. And it's, it's working with it. Uh, all the prophecies that were given, you know, to, to see all of those, the kingdoms that he has described and so forth, uh, you know, for Daniel to see the, the four major kingdoms that would come and fall for the coming of the Christ. All of that working with his history. God knows us. God works with us. We need to draw strength from that. God has not abandoned us. But he does desire for us to do what? Seek after him. To, to, to seek after him, to want to do his will, and to make those changes as are necessary. And that's what, again, will bring about the unity. We looked a little bit about why this heart is important that we are to have. Again, out of Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. The thought, this heart is important from, with the mind. And out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaketh. So the heart is important. And again, it's reminding ourselves, as human beings, we do not live in a vacuum. The mind is not a vacuum. Something is going to fill it. And it's up to us to decide what it is that's going to fill it. Uh, we make those choices. It's, you know, if, if it's not filled with good, remember the parable of Jesus when he cleaned uh, 
drove an evil spirit out of the man, and the evil spirit wandered around for a period of time, and then he came back, and what? He brought a whole bunch more with him. Why? Pardon? Nothing is filled in its place. The house was vacant. So he moved in with seven others, and the last state was worse than the first. The mind is not a vacuum. If you, as we become a Christian, we're to put on and have a new heart, a new mind. But you have to fill it. And when do you reach the full state? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> you just keep adding to it. Uh, you have to keep staying with it. Now again, we're going to be thinking about something. The more we put in that is good, that's what we're going to be thinking about. That's what we're going to be dwelling on. And of how we respond. Are we wanting to have this mind of Christ? Um, so you respond in a positive way when negative things happen. And, and keep the, the heart right with God. So the challenge is there. To be of the same mind and the same judgment out of Romans twelve sixteen. Uh, to have this, this mindset of Christ and the, the willingness to seek his will out in the life that we live. Uh, we mentioned the speech out of the, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, out of Matthew twelve thirty four. That's why it's important, because that's what we speak. Uh, you know, you ever heard, been around somebody who has an idea of who you are, and then they use some language that's inappropriate in what they say? Pardon? Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, I've mentioned before, I'm doing that uh, same type of deal when somebody uh, used foul language and said, "Pardon me, I'm sorry," and I said. Uh, now, why do you respect me and not respect the one that I serve? You know, if it's, if it's wrong for you to say it in front of me, then is it wrong? Yeah, I mean, but then, I mean, this, it's hard to get a person to see, well, that's, Excuse me, pardon my French, or whatever else it is. I don't know what the French say, because I doubt if they say that. Uh, and they might say that. Pardon my English. But I'm saying there's a, there is somewhat of a recognition that there is language that is not appropriate. That seems to be changing in our society. Uh, but it's still there to a degree. Which... Yeah. They won't do it. Which means what? I mean, yes, it's good for him, but I mean, what does that mean if somebody recognizes that they can control 
what they say. That means you can't control what you say. You can't, have, you can't have impact on somebody else. Well, you can't have impact, but it's, it's that reminder again. It's what fills the mind. You've got to replace it. And uh, there are individuals oftentimes in workplaces that uh, if they know you're a Christian, they want to find out if you are or not. And uh, until they find out that this is what you stand for and what you believe, then they work with it. But the mouth and the, and the thoughts and the mind, again, uh, is something that we have to work at. We have to fill the mind and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. Philippians 2. There was another one after Philippians 2.2. 2. I thought I put the second verse in there, but I didn't put half of it in there. Philippians 2.2. 2. Be like-minded that we are to love one another with the same love, with the same mind. That's the challenge, isn't it? And to maintain that. Uh, the same love towards each one. And a desire of, again, wanting each one. You know, because what's the goal of all of this? Unity. What's the goal of Unity. What's the goal of being in the same mind? What's the goal of doing the will of God? Get to heaven. Get to heaven. Okay, getting to heaven. We'll get down that road. You know. <laughs> Jerry? Even the scripture talks about, uh, I was trying to find it, it talks about it when you see your brother in the fault, it says to go to him in love. It didn't just say to go to him and point out his fault, but it said, or it said have compassion on him or something to that. I can't remember. What exactly it said, but it said, go to that brother in love. Population uh, 6, 1 and 2. Uh, but I think there's so many things where it talks about, you know, humbling yourself, not just, you know, and, and, you know, and having compassion like Jesus had compassion, you know, and, and loving one another. That's the hard part, and that's what the challenge is for us. What is that relation? 6. Spirit of meekness there. And think about, again, this mind of Christ, of, of Jesus coming into this world. For that three and a half year, three or three and a half year ministry, how difficult it must have been to walk among those who claim to be the Father's children and yet did not walk according to the Father's commandments. 
uh, to come in Jerusalem that last time and to say that he, he saw the city of Jerusalem and he wept over it. He said, how many times I would love to gather you last a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not able, you were not allow that. The challenge is there for all of us. And evidently the challenge is here for the time running out. Uh, We're going to start there next week. Again, I appreciate your attention this evening and your comments and your participation. Uh, ask you to, to bow as we go to our Father in prayer. Our loving and our gracious Father, thank you, Father, for the patience that you've shown towards us. Help us to understand the depth of that patience but help us also to realize the need that we have of seeking your will with our whole heart, desiring to walk in the light as you are in that light. Help us to desire to do your will with a full heart, Father. Forgive us when we falter along the way. Help us to see the need to change and to repent and to do your will again. Grateful for each one here this evening. Pray that you continue to draw us close together through your word. Help us to walk in love through, to glorify you while we're here on this earth. Be with us as we depart and keep us close to your will, Father. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.